get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. thought about why people act the way they do? Why are some people more difficult to deal with while others are always pleasant? Let's find out together. Welcome to Human Behavior. What a trip. Your host is Dr. Jonathan Brower. Our program combines expert guests with people just like you who have questions or comments. We'll have fun exploring human behavior. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Brower. And today we have a wonderful trip, and it's uh, in some ways a road trip because uh, we had part one last week, and now a week later on, uh, what is today, Um, uh, May 7th, we have part two with my wonderful guest named Brian Walmuth. He's a psychotherapist, and he's written a great book called Poetic Parenting, and we're going to go into that in more detail, plus some other issues that are relevant, but not necessarily poetic parenting. Yeah, thank so you, Brian, Jonathan. welcome to thank the show. You. Thank you for uh, letting me uh, take a U-turn and return one more time to your show. I very much appreciate yes. it. You're the first person that I've done this with, by the way. Oh, well, uh, I feel extra... I feel extra spe- uh, special, and now I have some pressure on myself to uh, no, no. to make an extraordinary guest out no, of this you appearance. No, you just be yourself, <laughs> and I'll be. All right, I shall. Uh, I shall time. do just that. Excellent. So now, uh, I know. Um, yeah. I know you mentioned um, talking about the book and other issues. I, if I recall, and you would correct me, I think we kind of dangled a carrot. Um, to your audience last week, we were talking about a uh, poem from the book, Poetic Parenting, uh-huh. regarding potty training, and I don't think we um, ever uh, covered that uh, parental issue. No, we didn't, and I think we should, because uh, that's a huge uh, milestone for kids learning how to have their sphincter muscles strong enough to be, to be able to make a bowel movement when it's uh, appropriate and where. <laughs> Absolutely. I think uh, Freud says it's the, uh, it's the first uh, control issue that uh, parents will encounter, the um, excretion or retention of uh, feces. Yes. Um, so I, and it's certainly a universal pothole that uh, we all must go through or developmental yes. unfolding. Yes. Um, so would you like me to recite? I would. Before you do, I just want to make a mention that... Um... This whole issue about uh, having bowel movements is uh, 
really a, a big, a big uh, issue for a lot of people, even if they oh, don't yes. think about it much. Yes. If we and do it every day, we have to do it. If we don't get it done, then we have uh, we might need major surgery at some point. So it's actually a very uh, most people low grade matter, but it's really a very important matter. Yes, it is. I mean, uh, just like you said, and I would agree with you, uh, yes. not only uh, throughout our lifespan, but I'll go back since, you know, the, the, the book is touching on um, the unfolding of a child. Um, how important is it, and, and you could speak on this, that personality can be affected by the way somebody transitions from, um, you know, a, a diaper to learning how to use the potty. Yes. It does shape, uh, I mean, some would argue it does shape or significantly influence uh, who and how we become. I totally agree. Okay, so uh, I'll wax poetic. The name of um, this poem is, and I'm probably the first guest, not only that you've invited me back twice, which I appreciate very much. Yeah. But I'm sure, I'm quite sure you've never had a guest on that has written a poem about uh, potty training. That's right. <laughs> All right, so let me first, be the and first. Hopefully not a last. Okay. Uh, the title of this poem is called A Noble Accomplishment because going potty or learning how to go to potty is kind of made into a grand event. Yes. So, a noble accomplishment. Okay. Abandoned once more by his trustworthy diaper, the king's naked bottom hangs over the throne. Sentenced by ruling parents to do a chivalrous duty and push with a groan. Thy regal bladder must also be emptied, one crusading act of grand consequence. Like a shining knight upon white stallion, poised on potty for a gallant dispense. Hear ye, hear ye, gather round, the castle royalty proudly announces. Today his majesty made a tinkle and a poop weighing 24 ounces. Yes. That's and very cute. I have one minor detail. How did you, de- how did you de- decide on 24 ounces it, it, uh, as opposed to 23 ounces or 21? <laughs> I think uh, it was a... Uh, number of uh, syllables, and I know there are 16 ounces in a pound, so I figured a pound and a half is 24 ounces, and uh, I uh, settled for 24 ounces. Well, I'll tell you what I thought. You know how um, when women get their diamond rings and a Uh 24-carat diamond is supposed to be pretty pretty hot? (laughs) Well, I think... uh, that's a product of your uh, cerebral uh, yeah. capacity. But my hope is that um, when parents help their kids with um, learning how to have a bowel movement in the bath in the uh, toilet, that's a big uh, accomplishment, and hopefully the parents are as pleased with that as getting a 24-carat diamond. That is an excellent point, and, you know, to, to back up before we get to the point of, of you know, how, what an accomplishment it is, and like yes. you said, it's similar to the excitement of receiving a 24-carat diamond. Your point is well taken, because up to that point, um, object relations theory would say that um, 
when a parent is changing a diaper, the attuned caretaker is immediately attending to a bowel movement or um, a tinkle. And all of a sudden, when you're teaching potty, you're, you're flipping the script. What was once valuable, like, oh, you made a poop, let me change the diaper. Yes. Now you're flipping the script and saying, no, it's, it's not valuable anymore. We're changing the rules. It goes here. And, and you're right. You're, what was once a diamond in the rough, so to speak, welcoming it in a diaper and being the caretaker and changing it, now you're transitioning. And, um, you know, like you said, it's a 24-carat diamond when the child learns to go potty. And yeah. it is a big deal. And then the other part of it is, or another part of it is, for um, a lot of little kids who are learning how to deposit their bowel movements, when they see the bowel movement getting flushed down the toilet, some of these kids have a reaction with, oh, gee, a part of me is going down the toilet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't think most parents think about that, but for the kid, it's a big deal. And, and I a, agree. There has to be some kind of way that parent can uh, let the kid know how the kid feels about the bowel movement going away, but it's okay, you'll have more, blah, 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 whatever they would talk about, but do it in a nice way, in a way that's not scaring the child. Yeah, I would echo your sentiments, and I would add that uh, demanding or shaming parents uh, or parents who may try to demand or shame, those are, are damaging tactics to a child and, and do have the potential to, um, um, you know, elicit a source of critical doubt or inhibit the, um, the uh, emergence of uh, positive self-regard. So, it is an art. It is a transition, and you know you uh, you're spot on with that uh, 24 carat. That when it happens, and that's kind of the amusing part. We're really you know defecating and urinating down the toilet, but it is so important to make yes. it into a big deal and have communication with your child. Yes. So um, with potty training, along with a lot of other things, kids learn. There's some analogy to uh, how you would train a dog. You know, you train a dog, and when they get what you want them to do, you show happiness, and you're happy, you're petting them and giving lots of uh, encouragement. And we should do that same thing with our children as they age, and not only with bowel movements, but with all kinds of things, to be able to mirror to them how wonderful they are and how glad we are that they can uh, do what they need to do. Yeah, I, I believe you're talking about uh, one of the ways that uh, a sense of self-worth, uh, positive yes. self-regard, esteem is developed by uh, making sure whether it's because of successive approximation, um, um, actions that almost approximate success or even success itself is rewarded, yes. and the, um, the try is, is also acknowledged that, okay, you tried, and that, that's wonderful, too. Yes, and one, another part of all this is, uh, which is fairly new in the literature, this issue around mirror neurons where mother gets um, linked in with the child so the mother can mirror back to the child what the child's feeling. That's really important, too. And um, I hope that goes, goes with most parenting, but I'm not clear it does. Well, um I happen to have, that's a great lead-in, because, again, mirroring 
um, reflecting, if you will, is a very important element of the early years that happens between uh, whether it be a parent or the caretaker, that, as you said, I'm not too um, familiar with the theories about uh, neurological development, but in the few workshops that I've been to, you're absolutely right. The mirroring, the eye contact um, is extremely important to uh, neurological development. And it starts at birth for the child and for the mother when she... Yes, yes. So you have a, Uh, uh, I think you're having a poem set up for this one, right? Yes, I, I think you led me. Uh, Great. Which I poem did. is that going to be? Excuse me? Which poem are we going to have next, then? Well, the title of the poem is Ma and Pa, and number one, I'll just read the, the Ma half because it touches upon what you described, the, the initial um, mirroring. And I want to let everyone know that even though this is the Ma part, Absolutely, a father can can do this. Uh, I don't want to be called a sexist or have any of your callers calling in and saying, why does he call it ma when certainly a father can do it, a babysitter, a yeah. sibling. But as you touched upon, the importance of mirroring and being there for the child, especially in the first two years of life when you're really selling the child on the human race yeah. through that interaction that, yeah. That's so the let's, let's listen to both Ma and Pa. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ma, I'll read the Ma part. If you Excellent. want to go to go the, 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 what happens after the two, after two, we can get into that. But here's okay. Ma. You mothered me, self-othered me, by being there, reflecting care, in rain or shine, all mine, 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 to hear my cries, then recognize I wanted food or had poo-pooed, and needed you to tie a shoe or lend your hand upon demand for patty cake without a break around the clock, one solid rock wearing a grin through thick and thin. You blew my nose, clean soiled clothes, and made me feel like a big deal, so magnified and gratified that in myself there blossomed wealth. That's A+. plus. Well, thank you for your, your, your grade. I appreciate that. But you led me there because of your astute knowledge of the, the mirroring and neurological uh, development. And in the book, I write about selling. The child is the center of the universe. Yes. The child doesn't know that a big world exists. It just knows itself and that when it needs to be cleaned, fed, changed, whatever, yeah. uh, something appears and everything is okay. And the child develops a sense of trust in the world if the attachment is solid and consistent. Yes. If there's mirroring, as you said, its needs are, are met. Yes. And um, self-esteem are actually in object relations, they call it omnipotent grandiosity because the child... Yes. believes he or she is responsible for everything that's happening. Yes, which is quite a burden. <laughs> yes. To say yes, the least. It, yes, it is. Yes. So, it is. Uh, um, if you were in in, in like um, with with uh, ten words or less for a sentence, what would you say about Ma? The poem. Uh, ten words or less about Ma. Yeah, if you were just. Uh, Try to describe it to someone in very I would say, words. What would you say? <laughs> what I know is I'd say, this is a bland object relations theory to 
turned poetic. I see. You don't need to be a psychologist and study it for a year to understand now how I put it into uh, yeah. rhyming words. Yeah. And because, as you said, or we agree, it is so important, I, I don't think the average parent or probably the average person who doesn't get into psychology is going to say, let me read Object Relations Theory by Heinz Kohut or Melanie Klein. Yeah. But they may say, let me read that poem in Poetic Parenting that talks about Ma. Yes. It's really well done. Well, well thank you, Jonathan. Yes. And as I said, it could be, it's, it's, I don't want to be accused as being sexist, it's, whether it's a father, a mother, grandmother, grandfather, the, yeah. the mirroring, the being there, that's what's important, the first two years of life. Yeah. I don't know if you want to shift to the pa. Yes, I want you to go to, yeah, go to pa now. <laughs> okay, now, um, before I go to pa, yeah. in object relations, which I said is an attachment theory, the the underlying thought is you cannot spoil a child from zero to two because you want the child to feel that he or she is the center of the world, the center yeah. of the universe. Yeah. What Before happens? we go to Pa, we're going to take a commercial break. All right. And then we'll come back and Pa or Dad will be up for the um, poem. Excellent. Okay. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's toll free 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower. Coming back with my guest, Brian Walmuth. Brian, before we continue, do you want to give anybody your phone number in case they want to contact you? Yeah, thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that, Jonathan. And, and this week, uh, thanks to my brother who listened to the program. Yes. Uh, thank you, Dave. He um, 
developed an, an email for me, which is poeticparenting at gmail.com. So if you would like to contact me and perhaps pre-order a book, again, that's poeticparenting at gmail.com. And my uh, office number is area code 818-585-6482. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate that. 818-585-6482. Yes, sir. Great. And poeticparenting at gmail.com. That's great. Poeticparenting at gmail.com. That's it. Okay. So back to uh, Dad now. Let's hear your wonderful poem on Pa. Now, yes. And uh, the reason it's called Ma and Pa is because they're rhyming. I didn't want So that's why Dad, uh, although it is Dad, but uh, Ma and Pa, I took poetic license. And what I want to point out is, as I said before the break, the first two years, you're, you're selling the child through the, to the human race um, via the relationship of parent and child and being there, mirroring, etc. Yes. Um, the terrible twos come along, and the reason they're called terrible is because of the child's ability to um, have locomotion, crawl around, get into things. Yes. The child starts to hear the word no. And it starts to have limits placed upon it and starts to learn, again, you know what? You're, you're no longer the center of the universe. We've got to kind of optimally frustrate you into knowing there is a bigger world and you're a part of it. So yes. we're transitioning the child via what's called optimal frustration to understand it's not really all about you. There's a bigger picture. With yes. that, I will go to Pa. Okay. You fathered me and bothered me by being stern so I would learn to grin and bear what seemed unfair and not remain a royal pain or spoiled brat. Imagine that. I pull my weight without debate and comprehend you did extend a sturdy hand to help me land upon my feet and not my seat. Yet when I fell, I heard you well. Your sound advice was sacrifice, and try your best on every test. Have dignity. Work is the key. Do more than less. Enjoy success. Very lovely. So how would you contrast Pa's relationship to the child in, uh, in, in regards to in contrast to Ma's way of relating to the child. Okay. Um, let, me, let me just spin it. The developmental tasks are now different. So Ma's way of relating is um, child in the center of the universe. Pa, although, again, they're single parents. It could be a Ma. It could be a grandparent, etc. Now they're frustrating the kid, and the kid is growing by optimal frustration. So... On the ma part, you're, in a sense, spoiling, you're, 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 I don't want to say, you're recognizing every whim of a child, which is to be changed, fed, comforted. Um, you're waking up in the middle of the night. Some of that is changing now with the next phase of development, which involves optimal frustration. We've got to move you 
from that omnipotent, that position of omnipotent grandiosity or egocentrism. We got to move you to that place of entitlement into realizing there's a self and there's others now. Before, it's just mainly we're catering to a developing, unfolding self, and we want to sell it on the human race. Now we want to move it along and help this self recognize there is self and there's others, and for the rest of your life you'll be interacting with self and others. Yeah. So um, I'm right now I'm busy contrasting Ma and Pa as you wrote the poems. Mm-hmm. So um, when Ma hears the child, the, the baby, the, up until two, let's say, uh, when Ma hears the cries, she goes to the child to console the child. But then if we go over to Pa, um, when the child is older, and uh, let's say the child's playing basketball. Okay. And uh, Ma, Ma and Pa are watching their kid playing basketball. So Ma sees her child uh, getting thrown to the ground by some uh, basketball player who ran into the child, and now the child's on the floor in some degree of pain, and uh, mother is very concerned about her child having um, pain. On the other hand, the father says, that's okay, that's okay, Jason, get up and keep going, you're doing great. So he's not coddling the kid. And that is a stereotypical issue, but it's pretty, um, it's pretty common for Ma and Pa to see this same event in very different ways. Yeah, and I think um, that would be where communication between Ma and Pa would be a key. Uh, you know, especially if, as you said, Jason is playing basketball, and my hope is uh, one of the two would understand that, you know, there's a chance that Jason is going to be shoved down, not intentionally, of course. That's another yeah. thing. You didn't say bullied. Understand this may be part of the game, and you know what? We'll recognize if, you know, I, I believe you can tell a serious injury from one of those startling a uh, child's knocked down and is startled by hitting the ground, and without the cavalry jumping in, you trust that the, the child will dust his or herself off and, and get back in the game. So it's a delicate dance between yeah. running out there and you know making sure your child is okay versus, again, mirroring, you know, shaking the head, you know, somehow communicating, yes, you're okay, it's okay to get up, and mommy or daddy doesn't necessarily have to run onto the court and kiss the boo-boo because there will come a time where the child will, will say, no, no, don't come out here and kiss the boo-boo. I'm okay. So I think there's communications between ma and pa, and then eventually the child will give a thumbs-up sign and saying, you know what, um, I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, it's, it's okay yeah. to be concerned, but I've learned that pain is part of the game. I've learned that, you know, falling down is part of life, metaphorically and physically. And, you know, um, if you're overprotective, then perhaps you're not helping Jason to learn. You can pick yourself up and get back into the game, uh, which is, as I said, a metaphor for for life. We all all have fallen down. 
Yes. Probably picked ourselves up and gotten back into the game. Yes. So while we're talking about Ma and Pa, um, the other day I was walking my dogs and we went to this park nearby where I live. And um, I was watching this father hitting uh, uh, pop-ups and you know, fly balls to his son, who was eight years old. And the son didn't know how to catch the ball using both hands. He would ca- try to catch it in his glove hand and keep his other hand far away from the ball. So after seeing this for a while, I said to the father, you know, it might be better for you if you just play catch with him really close up and he can gradually learn how to catch the ball in the, in the, in the mitt of the glove with his other hand to hold the, glove, hold the ball in the glove. And the father said, yeah, that's a good idea, but he dismissed it. <laughs> so uh, he, it's kind of crazy he's making. Well, you, you know, um, not only are you a man who, who, who you have a lot of guts to insert yourself like that, but I, I agree 100%, and you're talking, and I, I wrote about it in the book, about successive approximation. So it appears that you were watching this happen, and you said, you know what, you want to get to the point where the kid's able to catch the pop-ups, but yeah. why don't you take a step backwards and approximate a pop-up by just throwing your child a ball exactly. so he learns to maneuver the glove. You know, uh, you have to turn gloves a certain way depending on the path of the ball. Yeah. Um, as an outfielder uh, in high school and college, I, I understand this. And I think you were using, whether it be your, your therapeutic expertise or your understanding about um, human behavior, yeah. to say, okay, you know, let's, let's take it down a notch and have your child, again, master the glove work and then increase the, um, yeah. the task. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I, yeah. I don't know if the father, you know, dismissed you because he, you know, uh, didn't know how, to, uh, didn't know how to adjust, or he had his agenda, and it, yeah. and it's his son. But for the purposes of the show, successive approximations are an important part of uh, helping your child gradually move forward. Yes, in the world of sports, there's this uh, this uh, term called um, uh, developing efficiency by using specificity. Oh, okay. developing developing efficiency by using specificity. So you have to okay. be very specific and gradually increase what you can do. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, you're using the sports metaphor, and I'm using the psychological uh, success of approximation. Yeah, and they're both the same, pretty much. But this. Yes. One's in a suit and tie, and one's in a baseball cap. Yes. <laughs> so, what should we go on to next? Well, um, I know um, when we were discussing part two, you alerted your listeners to the idea that I had written um, in other areas. Once I completed the poetry for my book, and and mind you, I had never written poetry. I just decided to give it a try, and um, uh, one of them happened to get on television, one that I read last week about exclusion being the last one chosen, and that... Uh kind of gave me the positive reinforcement I needed uh, that maybe I, I can write, may, you know, if it's you good can, enough to well, get on TV. Well, yeah, but I'm telling you right now, it's not you may, you, maybe you can write, you can write. Okay. Well, I, I guarantee you, you can write. 
Uh, well, thank you. I, I hope the uh, audience and uh, perhaps others uh, find that to be true, but thank you for your compliment. And uh, my point was, once I completed the, um, I'd say there's 24 pothole type of universal pothole poems, I thought to myself, um, well, how does this creative stuff work? I wonder if I can write about other things. And um, I'm still a a fan of creativity. I, I don't understand it, but one of my first works, and it's one of my favorite, because if you told me I wrote it, and I didn't know I wrote it, I would deny it 100%. Yeah, but because... what you're really saying is you have this ability you didn't realize you had, but you have it. You could frame it that way, yes. What else, that's the only way to frame it, really. In my um, and if I could tell you a story, um, yeah, if, uh, Go ahead, this tell me poem the is kind of a um, cross-pollination. And what I mean by that is I was going through or I'd gone through a breakup and uh, I was toying with this, um, I, I guess I, in music they call it a hook. I, I was just calling it a phrase. It was, I, I'm, I'm halfway to heaven and 30 minutes past you. And I, I, I'm not an angry writer and I was trying to capture, well, if you were hell and I'm halfway to heaven and 30 minutes past you, yeah. I'm at ground zero again. I, you know, I got through the loss and we could talk about loss later, but I was feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm back. I'm on terra firma now. And it's a nice way of saying, you know, you were hell and, you know, now I'm, I'm back. Yeah. And a funny, well, not a funny thing happened, but a colleague of mine got in an accident on the Simi Valley Freeway. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. And she described, and she's very uh, religious. She has her own ministry. Uh-huh. And she described how her car was flipping over. I mean, this was a high speed. She said glass was breaking. And Brian, it was like slow motion. I, I prepared for my death. And then she said, but like the hand of God, uh-huh. I didn't get a scratch. Yeah. I, people were running over the, and I walked out of the car without a scratch. And so like a sponge, these two things kind of, as I said, cross pollinated. And if I may, I'll, uh, recite what came out. Please do. What's the, what's the name of this? The poem is called behold his mighty hand. And, um, it's about being touched by an angel. And it's also uh, a little bit more than that, but for the listeners, uh, it's a little bit long, but so think touched by an angel. Okay. Time had been canceled. My forever was death. As eternity dawned, I inhaled one last breath. Then matter-of-factly, she announced like I knew, it's a quarter till heaven and 15 minutes from you. Surrounded by warmth, I did not understand. In the brilliance of light, she extended her hand And lifting me upward, she said, Lord, what a view. It's a quarter till heaven and 15 minutes from you. I thought to myself, these are magical things. A halo cast sunshine upon glorious wings. She softly confided, we touch only a few. It's a quarter till heaven and 15 minutes from you. Beyond what she called the celestial whole, she explained she had come to enlighten my soul. And she echoed the words, 
what is written is true. It's a quarter till heaven and 15 minutes from you. Her message was clear as she bid me farewell. From, we, from within, we create either heaven or hell. Now each moment on earth is her work that I do. It's a quarter till heaven and 15 minutes from you. Very good. So if you would, in one sentence, what, how would you capitalize this? The convergence of time, space, and spirituality. Yeah. And the catchphrase, it's a quarter till heaven and 15 minutes from you, is my way of communicating life is very delicate. Yes. Value it, contribute to it, enjoy it, but understand that it's delicate. Yes. As you were talking, as you were giving this uh, poem out, I was thinking about how often it's uh, just a matter of seconds when uh, there could have been a crash between two cars, but they never even realized it was going to happen because they were just two seconds too late or two seconds too early. And, you know, Jonathan, um, I, I don't know if you, uh, you, you planned on taking me here. That's, um, unfortunately, that's a lesson I learned. Um, I think we spoke... Um, and I'll be open about it. I hope your listeners are not, um, I don't fine. want to say offended, but you know, my mother um, was killed by, a, a, she got hit by an automobile. And you were how old at the time? You were a teenager or what? No, I was 30. I was 32. But oh, I you said you. something about the seconds or the time. And Hang on, we're coming up to uh, our second and last commercial break. All right. So we'll get back to that in a couple of minutes or less. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Legal Shield, total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health. 
your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Human Behavior What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's toll free 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior What a Trip. Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower. We're back with my show, What a Trip. My guest for this week and last week is Brian Walmuth, and I want to give you his office phone number should you want to have, if you want to talk with him. His phone number is area code 818-585-6482. And also, you can go to his uh, email, poeticparenting at gmail.com. And then you can find out more about him if you like. So, Thank Brian, back to the last uh, few minutes of our show, roughly 15 or so minutes. Um, so you have a great poem coming up called An Ant, A Shoe, and whatever else it is. I the Time and You. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a great, sad poem because, as I said, my mom was a, a victim of a... Uh, a car running into her, and um, she was a wonderful woman. And actually, this poem, some of it involves uh, material from our actual walks that when I used to go down and visit my mom and dad in San Diego, uh, my mom would walk and we would talk. Um, So some of this is actual factual. Um, And the the truth is that... um, yeah, she died as a result of uh, being hit by a car uh, yes. during a morning walk, and it's called An Ant, A Shoe, The Time, and You. Okay, let's hear it. I leisurely question at 622, does an ant know it's dead when it's squashed by a shoe? Like Plato or Shakespeare at 625, your answer inquires, does it know it's alive? At 6.28, with one minute to spare, we acknowledge that God makes each ant unaware. At 6.29, precious seconds are few, for a car doesn't stop, and the lone ant is you. That's very short and very poignant. Yeah, I mean, and it's very sad when you think of your mother or anyone. I mean, there's a lot of loss um, um, being um, life ended that way. You know, your your mind wonders, did she feel anything? You know, I I hope not. For me, it was, you know, one minute, as you said, the the seconds, it's a quarter till heaven and 15 minutes from you. One second she was there and she doesn't know she's not there. If she didn't feel a thing, I, the the crossover, the transition, um, you know, some people say death is life's twin, life's mischievous twin. Without one, you can't have another. Yeah. And it's mischievous because you don't know how, when, 
where necessarily. And, you know, that whole incident, you know, triggers, obviously, would trigger a lot of emotion, a lot of um, um, thoughts about spirituality, what happens next, is there a next, and... um, Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think as I began to, to create and let wherever your emotions take you, uh, I did write, um, you know, a lot of, uh, I call them poems that try to administer to, you know, loss to people who, you know, um, this happened many, many years ago. I guarantee you, during the course of her show, somebody has lost a loved one in a similar manner. Yes. Um, and you never know when it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, the cyclical nature is one person's day of tragedy, another person's is another person's day of funeral, is another person's day of their mourning the loss for a year. So it's, um, as you said, and, and, you know, people... I hear them, you know, when we talk uh, about loss, maybe some clients or, or friends who are able to, um, you know, go there because it's a, it's a difficult topic to talk about. And I understand if uh, there are some people who, you know, are a little bit taken aback by our conversation, although I appreciate it, but yeah. I, I want to, uh, you know, let them know I certainly understand that it's a difficult topic. Yeah. But I just think it's, it's, it has an abundance of... Um, of value to, yes. to contemplate, you know, what life is, what may be after life. And if you agree, it's fragile, as you said, you know, Very you don't know fragile, from yes. one second to the next, how are you going to live it? How are you going to contribute? How are you going to treat people? Yes. So do you uh, um, frequently think of your mom when you just things come into your mind? Yeah, for a brief moment, like when yes. I, I got a little choked up, I don't know if you picked that up, but um, sure. Sure. Yeah. I uh, when I had to read it, and uh, yes. especially that last line, and thinking, you know, in fact, uh, we did talk. I remember in one of our walks, you know, there was an ant crawling, and I did rub it with my shoe. I mean, I I confess, I squished yes. the ant, and I looked at her, and you know, the ant disintegrated, and I said, "Do you think it knew it was dead?" And she said, uh, "Do you do you even think it knew it was alive?" Yes. Which was a pretty interesting response from my mom. Yes, exactly. And that, uh, you know, this poem percolated. I think it, I wrote it 10 years after um, her passing. Now, I, not to get morbid, but I think on the first show I, I mentioned to you, I, I also had a brother who um, passed away, and yes. I, I, I did um, a, a poem percolated out about him. Um, I also... Again, have written a, it's a beautifully sad poem about the the most unimaginable some people consider it the worst type of loss, which is the passing of a child and yeah. so i I would leave it up to you as to if number one you would like me to recite one both or or none of the above, I will leave that up to you well we have time for that, so go ahead any particular no, take one. Take the one that's just you pick. You pick whichever one you want. Okay, I'm going to pick um, perhaps the saddest poem I ever wrote because, like I said, yeah, um, whether it be with clients um, um, who have yeah. brought this in or um, 
just wanting to administer to those who have gone through this. Yeah. Uh, it's called a bittersweet dream. Okay. And the reason it's called a bittersweet dream is someone once told me um, there's nothing so wonderful as when you have a dream about somebody who has passed because, as you know, when you're having the dream, it seems real. Yes. So this is called a bittersweet dream because eventually you have to wake up. Okay, go for it. Oh, Daddy, she whispered as my mind set adrift. Can the Lord make a rock he himself cannot lift? I reflected the dance of her innocent eyes, then replied with a wink, planet Earth qualifies. I continued to say God has everything planned, and he holds the whole world in his almighty hand. Oh, Daddy, she whispered, I'm in heaven, you know. Can I visit again because now I must go? Yet before we agreed on the time or the place, she extended her wings for one final embrace. And Daddy, I love you, were the last words she spoke. As she kissed me goodbye, I abruptly awoke. Yes. And that, you know, is a combination of, I I know, um, a way of coping is the belief that whether it be a child, a loved, uh, a, a parent, a sibling, is in a better place if you believe in heaven, a heaven. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some derive comfort from that belief. Uh, yeah. and, and so I, I wanted to administer from what I had heard. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this was once in a store, but the feedback was people were getting very depressed by reading it because, um, like I said, it's, it's bittersweet. I can understand I, people getting sad about it, but I don't understand them automatically being depressed about it. Well, I, I would gather if, if it has happened to a person, and maybe I don't think you could ever get closure on. I mean, you, you grow. I don't you know the, yeah. the word closure. So if it happens to touch the wound... You're, you know, I can see how if it touches that wound, it might create somebody to experience a depressed type of feeling or sadness. Um, it might. You know, all of a sudden, if yeah. they're out for a day and they, they see this, you know, it, it would have a tendency to, to perhaps uh, make them sad. Yeah, sad I can understand, but depressed yeah. normally is an inside job. But anyway, um, <laughs> we have a few minutes, and I've, you have a... Uh, a very interesting poem uh, that involves O.J. Simpson. Yeah, this was, you know, about role models and the O.J. Um, um, yeah. So, uh, and, and when they were cheering for him, so I, I was kind of upset, like, what's going on? They're cheering for this guy. So I did write a poem, um, and it's called uh, Poetic Justice. Yes. I couldn't believe what I witnessed that day. Evading arraignment was the man called O.J., with authorities chasing and a gun to his head, the juice on the loose from police cars he fled. Inside a Bronco, yet forever a bill, 32's longest run was a loss, not a thrill. A legal procedure would receive no applause, only penalty flags for violating our laws. As childhood memories followed him to his cell, 
He stood larger than life and did everything well. Mr. Simpson walked free on October the 3rd. He had sought an acquittal, and the jury concurred. A number of pundits thought justice had failed, but to many an expert, jurisprudence prevailed. As conflicting opinions circulated about, I arrived at one verdict beyond reasonable doubt. My guilt was of innocence, masquerading the truth. To disguise him as hero was a passion of youth. He was not a role model, nor somebody I knew, just a talented athlete loved for what he could do. Very good. So um, I once saw this interview he had on TV. This was before he ever became the uh, O.J. Simpson who was running away from the law. And uh, he was being interviewed by this uh, announcer. I think we're running out of time. Actually, I think we have a couple of minutes left. So, um, so briefly, he was talking to this announcer, and he was telling the guy how he, um, when he was in in high school, and probably even in junior college, he would sell people um, tickets to the game, but they weren't real tickets. So he was screwing these people over. Oh, so and he and he was and he was saying, you know, and I and I screwed them, and he laughed like, and so right then I knew he there was something terribly wrong about him, and I was yeah. very, um, what's the word? I was surprised because I pictured him as a nice guy, a good guy, and he might he may have been in many ways, but he also was a scoundrel. Well, and I think you know to to bring it back full circle. As Charles Barkley would always say as an athlete, I am not your role model. Your parents are your role model. And, and w- w- this poem try- doesn't necessarily speak to that, but, you know, we don't know these people. And like you said, you, they're larger than life, but then you hear this interview and you question really what you have projected upon them. Yeah. And really, you don't, you, you don't know them. However, I, I look at it differently. Everybody is a role model. No matter what you do, you're a role model in any way, in any way that you are. So you, we're all role models for some people, oh, and that's just the way it is. So, yes, yes. Yeah, you yeah. look at it idealistically, and I agree with your truth. Yeah. I wish everybody would understand and, and maybe step up and, and, and be a reasonable, responsible yeah. And productive role model, but idealistically, we are all role models in the, the ideal sense. Yeah. And I, I hope um, we modeled and rolled out a, a wonderful show today. I, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, wax poetic for, uh, for the hour. I, You're very I welcome. I'm not sure it. we don't have, we may have another minute or so. I'm not getting any signal. Well, I could, okay. uh, for your listeners, I could. Do a quick poem that's published around the world in Braille if you want that to be the uh, the final. Okay. We have 60 seconds. Can you, go, can you go for it? Yeah. It's called Vision. Go. I overheard the blind girl say, he guided me again today. Although she felt no form nor face, she recognized his warm embrace. Her tiny voice rang crystal clear. It's faith, she said, that brings him near. As if to see, she turned around and placed one hand upon the ground. 
She told her mom he made all this, then lovingly blew God a kiss. That's very called good. vision. Thank you very much. It's a good way to end the show. Well, thank you so much for being my guest last week and this week. And it was a pleasure, uh, I will John. call you in the near future. And we'll talk more. All right. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. You're I very, very welcome. Much thank you very much for being here to make a good show. You're very welcome. Thank you again for listening today. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Human Behavior, What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have fun experiencing your human behavior. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.